This is Mike Dangerously, and you're listening to the Bradley's House Podcast. Nothing is impossible, but certain things are highly improbable. Don't think I'll meet your kind again, not in this lifetime. Hey guys, welcome back. Come on in and make yourself at home as you should when you're a guest in Bradley's house. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. She is the executive director of the Knoll Family Foundation and our host, Ms. Kelly Knoll. Kelly, what's your favorite holiday? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I never should have complained about you asking me how I am all the time because now I get these horrible questions. Um, I love the 4th of July. Big fan of fireworks. Big fan. Yeah. And I like it because there's not a lot of pressure. Fourth of July is just have fun, watch fireworks, spend time with friends and family. No pressure. I would have to say that's that's got to be my top favorite. I love the fourth of July. Anytime that people are like, hey, be as loud as you fucking can all day. (laughs) That's usually my type of that's my type of engagement right there. So I am also doesn't uh, surprise me at all. My voice is a little raspier than usual, although it typically is anyway. Uh, I'm out on tour with Fayuka and Howie Spangler, and it turns out that I'm Fayuka's biggest fan. And when you're the hype man every night, you end up with with no voice. So it should be an interesting podcast here. I apologize to to everybody in advance. You're doing a great job. uh, But I'm having a real hard time feeling sorry for you having to hear Fayuka and Howie Spangler every day. That does not suck. And please tell me that like on the tour van, they're just singing along. Even if they don't, would you please just tell me that? Because in my mind, that's what tour is like. It's just like a great big sing-along road trip. That's how it goes all the time. Thank you. Yeah, we don't don't even have a Bluetooth speaker. We just have (laughs) musicians that play (laughs) the things that we need and want. So um, yeah, so pretty exciting for that. And uh, always exciting anytime we get an opportunity to have a new guest on. Now, Kelly, we have a lot of friends uh, of the foundation and a lot of friends of Bradley's house. And we've had a lot of friends. So this isn't a slight to anybody. We appreciate everybody's help. But there are friends of the foundation. And then there are guys like who we're going to talk to today. Kelly, who's today's house guest? I am so thrilled that we finally have him and faithful listeners of the show will probably feel like they already know him because we talk about him so much, but um, he's just, he's an extraordinary person outside of what he's done for the foundation. But then he's also for, you know, for his own personal reasons, felt like he wants to be a part of building Bradley's house. And that has been such a tremendous blessing for me because not only does he do a lot to, to help us out financially with fundraising and, and raising awareness and all that. But he's also just a very encouraging person. And I'm sorry if I'm building you up so much and making you feel uncomfortable, but we are super honored to have with us today the owner of the Switchboard Restaurant, North County Roastery, and Canvas in Oceanside, and a firefighter up in LA, which we'll get into, and a husband and father. And an incredibly amazing, wonderful, cool person that I feel super honored to call friend, Kevin Shin. Kevin, thank you for being with us today. 
Wow, Kelly. That might be the longest <laughs> intro I've ever done, but I'm serious. I've been looking forward to this. Like you do so much for the foundation and you know, we are an army of volunteers and I didn't even know you when you reached out to me and now we've become friends and, and I am so inspired by everything you do. And every time I feel like I'm too tired and can't go on, I think, well, what would Kevin do? That's what I need. I need a wristband, <laughs> WWKD. Um, you really, you, you do a lot. And, and obviously, you know that because you're doing it. But what is it that, that inspires you? What is it that motivates you to do all of this? Well, when it comes to the recent stuff, like since the pandemic, it, uh, it came upon me. I didn't really want all of this, to be honest with you. And then mm. it snowballed into what it was so ah yeah so we can uh, we can unpackage all of this if you want it's gonna be good therapy i've <laughs> been able to do this in the last like two plus years so here well we that's because you haven't sat still long enough to talk about it i'm <laughs> sure okay so tell us a little bit about your background let's let's build this story where are you from sure i'm from like the south bay la so mm-hmm. and i was Born in the 70s and then became a teenager, literally uh, inspired and listened through Sublime. Mm. So I was a young little kid and I remember my friend's older sister would have to babysit us and she would Mm -hmm. drag us to these house parties late at night. And it would be your brother's band sometimes. Oh my God. Running around and you don't know what they they were at the time you just know it's another house party you're going to and playing and um and then you really realize what you know what bradley was doing he was creating like a genre by fusing all these sounds through like you know where where you guys were uh growing up as well as just like all the influences in la yeah that's at least what i got out of it yeah no that's that's definitely it. And I think that's a big part of what Sublime did is just pull all of these different influences of living and growing up in Southern California and, you know, kind of pulled them all into one. And that's probably why so many people can relate to so much of the music. Yeah, it's really everybody could relate. So like, you know, having my time you know, like in Inglewood and then all the way in Redondo Beach, Paulus Verdes, and Torrance, and whatnot, and Long Beach itself, like, everyone could respect the band mm. because of the piece of them in that band. So right. it, was, it was really cool. I always felt like an outcast myself because I was kind of weaving in and out of these different groups. I felt like I didn't know who I was in the breakfast club. <laughs> and, um, everyone your has their place. Yeah, but your brother's band, like, just kind of was my anchor point I felt like mm. throughout that time so um many blessings to you your family what Bradley did it was just Thank you. um yeah just complete respect to it so and then but, after after high school uh, you went into the military was it right after high school or was it a little while after oh yeah yeah so don't get me wrong like <clears throat> big troublemaker here I, can, <laughs> I got a laundry list <laughs> I was not really the best of kids. I don't think parents were too proud at that point, but um, I recognized that I was probably going to go down a very, very dark path. 
Mm. And um, that recruiter, he got me. He got me good. Joined the Marine Corps, found my way down in Oceanside, got, you know, stationed Camp Pendleton along with other places and uh, just got to really like recreate myself. And from all the what I felt like nothingness I was doing in high school, you all of a sudden realize like just what your bandwidth is by by doing something like joining the Marine Corps. This is not a Marine Corps recruitment um <laughs> or anything it was just really good for me because i sure <laughs> and so that was how much longer after high school so right after high school i joined in you know oh. a dotted line in high school when that was late 90s 9-11 took place mm. um had all of that go on was and then at that time that's when I like realized I could do a lot at once a lot of um a lot of things and really learned how to like focus on on multitasking I guess yeah that's right? a skill so, yeah so a lot of what's happening lately is like a reminder of what I was doing back then so going mm. to college the marine corps um, and just yeah getting through all of that what did you study event- in college so funny. So I, I studied business. Go figure, right? Well, that makes sense, actually. Yes. <laughs> it made sense. Yeah. I wanted okay. to fly for the Marine Corps, but um, after a certain point, it is about like 13 years in, I was like, I think this is, I think I'm going to leave um, the Marine Corps proud of it, or I'm going to start getting grumpy if I try to make yeah. it a full career. Yeah. Um, and then that's when I found the fire service. So. I'm a fire captain up in Culver City. Wow. And um, been doing that. Which is the LA area for people who aren't from here. Culver City. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the entertainment industry is based there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The heart of Screenland is what they call it. So Mm -hmm. um, just joined back then, still am in, have a great group of men and women there, um, Mm -hmm. and just have been doing that raising my kids so how long have you been with the with the fire department 18 years wow i know that's impressive we're so not young anymore (laughs) (laughs) you are i feel like you're one of those people that's gonna look young forever oh i hope you're so right (laughs) okay so you've been in in the fire department and mm -hmm. and And you're married when did you get married Got married in 2010. Congrats. Okay, now we're talking about now we're talking about the real war and that. <laughs> oh, not the Marines, not the fire great. department. We're talking married with children. That is, <laughs> we should get dog challenge. tags for that. <laughs> so they're gonna kill me to hear this one, and my kids are old oh. enough to recognize this podcast. Um, oh no. <laughs> yeah. So here's what happened. So then I guess a lot of us can understand this. Um, start. I started turning into my 40s. I had that Corvette moment. Mm. Uh, I'm like, I got one last good push to do something for me. You know, I'm really sacrificing my time with my kids and yeah, but they're about to start school. My youngest one's about to start kindergarten. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm really bored. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
because I'm an antsy guy and I'm like, all yeah. right, how about I started roasting coffee on the side. <laughs> I really love roasting coffee. It kept me awake <laughs> raising kids. And then I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to open up a little coffee shop. Um, it was like 2019. I'm going to open up a coffee shop next year. It's going to be awesome. Found this spot in Oceanside in a historic hotel called the Finn Hotel. Mm, it's beautiful. It's I love the, 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 you can feel the history when you walk in there. Absolutely. So it used to be like by the hour, it used to be called the Dolphin mm. Hotel. And we used mm. to call it the Dirty Dolphin Hotel. <laughs> and totally by the hour. And um, you were not allowed to even be near it when you were in the Marines. Mm. So it's kind of cool. It's like this full circle of being able yeah. to be in the spot. I feel a little naughty by doing it <laughs> um, and got to build it out. And then, bam, oh, I'm thinking 2020 is going to be the best time to open up a restaurant and a bar and a coffee shop. Oh, gosh. And it sure was. Oh, gosh. Best time ever. <laughs> so how soon after you'd opened the restaurant did COVID hit, close everything down? So a little bit afterwards actually so i was i was trying to open in may mm -hmm. and covid really started creeping its head in what like february march yeah so wow. i'm watching it unfold as i'm like continuing to build this place out and just um i'll tell you there's probably no other feeling than that i think oh. every restaurant retail gym salon owner in the last few years have felt this um, uh, complete impending doom feel. And oh, for sure. You go. So, um, so you were actually in the process of opening when everything started to shut down. Yeah. So wow. there we go. It, it was crazy. So the craziest part I would say was um, the different personalities I had to be. So here I am trying to open that up. And then, you know, every X amount of days, I'm driving up to Culver City, and I'm watching it also unfold in a in a really visceral way, like mm. responding on the you know the actual patients and right trying to figure out okay what's happening there, how do we protect ourselves, how do we you know how do we keep navigating all of that? So it was this duality of pivots that I had to take from there and here it seems incredibly stressful yeah it's no joke <laughs> you must do you handle stress well like what do you do to handle the stress of something like that i guess i handle it well <laughs> you, you know, must guess, yeah you know um i think life experience gives you some opportunities to do that and mm, then true. I think you get put in positions where if you have to, um, you know, be a leader that you just know you have to show composure right. through the whole process. So um, the fire service is totally different. It's a group of men and women that um, we really bond together. We're really looking after, you know, there's a cause, there's a mission, there's, uh, the aspects of safety and helping everyone you can. So yeah, it, that part wasn't really as difficult, I guess, 
if you want to put it that way, because we still always respond on people that are sick and we've gone on people with, you know, very contagious diseases and it was just happening more often. And it was just happening with, um, with a lot of parameters that you had to take place because of, um, you know, the department of health, just kind of letting you know what you're, what you're supposed to do and not supposed to do. Sure. I can see how you would be a good captain and leader and all these things. Cause you are, you stay very calm. At least you appear to be very calm in the midst of chaos. Like there's never been a time when I've talked to you through all of this. And we started talking during COVID right after you'd open the restaurant and you're always just very calm, very hopeful, very positive. Is that something you learned growing up? Is it something that you were raised with? Where did that come from? That's such a great question. Um, I, I don't know totally where it comes from. I think, um, I think with some of it, you know, you, you see it like in family. So I see it in my mom. I'm a total mm. mama's boy. Like if you come Aww. to the coffee shop, you'll see me and my mom. That's wonderful. Then, um, yeah. So as a mom I've, of boys, I think it's wonderful when boys love their mamas. <laughs> absolutely. So here's my mom and, you know, um, raised as a kid in the Korean war and then immigrated here with a couple hundred bucks in their pockets mm. and just made success out of it. And my mom opened up her, um, she opened up her dry cleaners in Inglewood, like really? a few weeks before the riots. Oh no. So, <laughs> so she was watching me boarding up, you know, the shop, well, before we were even able to open it, and I'm oh. like, yeah, you know, there might be some protesting going on here. And she was Whoa. just laughing at me, just going, oh, my God. This is <laughs> it's like, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like, good luck, whatever. So um, I've always seen her so calm under so many situations, and um, mm. but she still has a bite in her. Nice. But I think that's the foundation. And then... A lot of it is really the fire service. You really have to, you have to be calm on so many scenes that mm. are so unique and different that when all of these things were happening, I just kept looking at them as like another, another emergency to just have to mitigate as opposed right. to like worrying if it's going to be me or not. Right. It's, that's interesting. So my, um, of course, Brad's dog, Louie, was named after our grandpa, my dad's dad, and he was a fire captain. He might have been a battalion chief. I know my uncle was a battalion chief in LA, but anyway, my point is my grandfather, my uncle, my dad, they're all cut from the same cloth where they just have this ability to, they're very calm on the outside, you know, but there's a bazillion things going on on the inside and, and they can just handle a lot. And so I think I, I just sort of put you into that category as well, because you are so composed. Like there've been a couple of times when I've come down to the restaurant and I'm sure you're running around doing 800 things and you just come and sit down and enjoy a meal. Like there's nothing else in the world that you need to be doing. It's just, I think it makes you very uniquely suited for the fire department and for the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry in general, because you have this way of making people feel comfortable and calm and like this, you know, this refuge from the crazy world out there. Uh, you really do a great job of that. And I'm, I'm really not trying to make this podcast just a huge Kevin Shin commercial, but <laughs> I just, these are all the things I've been thinking 
since I met you a couple years ago. And so this is my chance to tell you about them. Um, so when you started the switchboard, what was your vision for the cuisine and the, the look and the feel of the restaurant? What did you want to accomplish with that? Yeah, so the switchboard is called the switchboard because the hotel had always been a hotel since 1927. Wow. Except for during World War II. So in 1942, Camp Pendleton was built for the war, Mm -hmm. and then they needed more communications. So they opened up and took over the Finn Hotel as a switchboard operating center. Oh, wow. So I, once again, just wanted to pay respects to the women that were in there during that time. And I just named it the switchboard. Fabulous. Yeah. And my family, um, you know, we're, I'm Korean and my family, Mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of family in Hawaii and just really wanted to blend the two together. You know, my, my daughters are Kalea, Leilani, like we've got a lot of love Mm. for the islands and, Mm -hmm. um, just kind of knew no matter what, that that's where the cuisine was going to be based from. Um, so how did you go about finding the people to make your vision a reality? So there's an interesting one. So through the pandemic, it was totally different. You had a lot of people leave the industry. So you're mm-hmm. really looking at a lot of different avenues of where you're going to be able to find good people to help you run it. And I just feel fortunate of finding a great group of like core leaders to help me through it. They all have had experience. And um, but my biggest goal for the culture of anywhere that I'm around is to really drop your ego and just mm. go in with a sense of humility. Yes. And um, and just work hard, work hard and work hard for not yourself, but really for the others around you. And if, I, I think it, yeah, you have that mentality. I think we can find success through that. Yeah, I do think that that's a big part of your success. And also knowing that you don't have to have all the answers. Like you provide the vision and the framework, and then you're so good at finding other people and, and pulling out the best in them so that they can be a part of your vision. But let's also talk about this, Kelly. Here's a good one that like the audience should also know is that it's not like I was this guy from the get go ever. I was a rotten kid. (laughs) (laughs) I was an egotistical, like hard charging Marine. Mm. And I, I was not always the same person that you're seeing me today. So uh, the biggest change took place when I had my first daughter. Ah. The biggest lesson learned is that, as you go through life, you have to always think about changing as a person yes. or, or you're going to get hit with that humility from your stubbornness, like no mm. other at some point in your life. Yeah. And um, so for as much as you praise me and all this and the person that I am now, and I'm so grateful for it, like there is a history of the Kevin that other people know, and I'm still apologizing to those people to this <laughs> day. Because I was a complete asshole. And so, um, but I'm glad I got to change and learn and really get to grow as a person. Um, And that's what this experience has been in the last few years. It hasn't just been this like, uh, it hasn't just been like this opportunity to like show success. It's just really an opportunity to show um, just growth through it all. 
you do have a tremendous amount of humility. You do a lot. <laughs> I appreciate your humility, but you really, I mean, if, if you're trying to make up for all the wrongs you did, I promise you did that a long time ago. (laughs) More than made up for it. Yeah. (laughs) So tell me about your wife and daughters. Where did you meet your wife and when did you get married? Yeah, Christine um, met her at a sushi bar back in the day. Um, She's a doll, by the way. I got a chance to meet her when I was down at the restaurant one time. So sweet. Yeah, we got that little all-American little situation. She's a school teacher, <laughs> yeah. and firefighter. We Darling. got this little suburban home. Got the two girls, <laughs> so we checked some boxes yeah. there. Yeah. Do you have um, a, a golden retriever also? No, I got a COVID <laughs> dog that I'm not really all that happy with, but it's okay. I love him, but he's just uh, he's a, he's an interesting bird. What kind of dog? I don't know. He's like this little black terrier looking guy that we adopted, but he, um, he like loves me and is scared of me at the same time. So <laughs> seems uh, legit, honestly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could see that. And how do the girls now? They're nine and seven. Wow. And their main focus, they're at PETA right now. That's the Pacific Islander Festival Association. They're having oh. a big, um, a big festival down in uh, Mission Bay, I believe. Oh, fun. So, yeah. So their halal is dancing the hula. So oh, how I'm fun. Doing that. I love that they're so involved in that. That's really cool. Yeah. So you opened the switchboard restaurant. Now you're, I could be wrong in this, but I thought I remembered you telling me at one point that the goal at first was to open a coffee place, but you opened the restaurant instead. Is that right? Yeah, so we needed to make sure that we fulfilled ourselves as a Hilton for the hotel. Mm-hmm. So that required like all the things for food and beverage. Gotcha. And then I needed to build out the coffee shop to make sure that they also had, well, great tasting coffee, but then um, a whole breakfast plan as well. Okay. So we've covered the switchboard. By the way, anybody who has not had a chance, if you are in the Southern California area, or you ever visit the Southern California area, you've got to go to the Switchboard Restaurant in Oceanside. I've had the privilege of eating there quite a few times, and every single time it has been amazing food, incredible service. I love the ambiance. The place is just fabulous. I can't say enough good things about it. So anyway, so you open the Switchboard. You've got incredible people running the kitchen, running the front of the house, and then you decided it's time to open the roastery. And it's time to open up the roastery. So that was my passion, really into coffee, nerded out completely on it. Hmm. And, um, but then I realized I was doing a lot more than just running the restaurant. I was really trying to jump into the community, like you said, and I was handling all these things. So I'm like, oh my God, the whole reason I did this to roast coffee, I don't have the time to do this. Hmm. So I met Jason Walker, who you met, who's yes. a champion of champions. He's great. And yeah, he took over the whole coffee program for me, really got to learn about it all, um, showed him what I knew about roasting, that he's taken it from there and gone, you know, leap years ahead. Wow. And we're just, we're just moving on all cylinders. Everybody's pretty happy about our situations. Like, he gets to go there and fulfill his coffee dreams, and um, I get to just watch them all thrive and drink all his coffee and critique him and yell at him for anything <laughs> wrong 
<laughs> Isn't it great when your dream is able to facilitate other people's dreams? Do it's, you know what I'm saying? I absolutely do. So, you know, um, if you think about, you may see me like calm and collected when you were bumping into me, but late at night, I'm having incredible amounts of panic and worry about what, what is going to happen. And I think I've never really had anxiety or anything like that growing up. Um, but man, did I have it in the last few years with all of really? the, oh yeah, like up at two in the morning, just going, what did I just do um, every morning? So, well, but, I'm kind of glad to hear that, Kevin, not, for, not because you have to deal with that, but just to know that you're human. Because <laughs> that's what I go through as well. And I always, and I'm sure so many people listening do too. Like we, we all sort of think that everybody else is way better at handling shit than we are, you know? And obviously you're doing a great job at it, but it's kind of nice to know that, that you struggle every now and then with normal human emotions as well, because that is, you've got a lot on your plate, but you're doing such a great job with it. And and like I said, you're involving so many other people in your vision and your dream that it's become so much bigger than you. You know, you started this, this, this snowball. And, um, and I, that's one of the things that I love about coming down there and visiting is just getting to talk to all the people and see how excited about they are or how they are about what they're doing to be a part of, you know, whether it's the restaurant or the coffee bar or canvas or whatever. Um, I just think that's so cool. And that, to me, makes what you're doing so special. And I know during the pandemic, you still were able to to provide for a lot of people in in different ways too, right? As far as I th- you were doing some like takeout stuff and and that kind of thing. What did, what did you do to really survive through that time period? Yeah, I'm gonna do some some name dropping here, but like do it. <laughs> so. I had no idea what to do. Like no one really totally did, but there was definitely people who were um, kind of the sages of the city mm-hmm. and they understood a different perspective on how to, how to go about this. So mm. I have my two dear friends are Roddy and Aaron. They own the flying pig restaurant. So if you don't eat uh, at the switchboard, you better eat there if you're on <laughs> the side. Okay. I'll have to check that out. You check out their social media back then and just what they were doing. And they were advocating people to eat everywhere but themselves. Like they just said, you know what? We're all in this uh, life raft together and let's just, let's just share it. And um, I saw the way that that, you know, the kind of that way of going about it instead of like a, Hey, help me. I need help. Um, And I realized just how much more powerful that was. Yes. Um, so I literally take that example and I've told them this, that was like all of a sudden my mantra through it. I just said, you know what? I may sink, but I sure hope that when it's all said and done, that I come back and eat at these places and oh. I want everyone to know that they exist. Wow. So that was my first big push on seeing if we can make it. And then I did notice that people understood where our hearts were at. Um, with the switchboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the transition to opening the roastery, when did that start? 
I mean, obviously you, ha- you knew you had to weather the storm of COVID with the restaurant first. And then did you kind of turn your attention after things started to open back up again? Well, it was always opening and closing, but I knew that I had to open it up. And that was like mm-hmm. my complete passion. I'm like, I am going to open this thing mm-hmm. up no matter what. And I had all the equipment. <clears throat> so I'm just, I'm just waiting my time of getting it all built out, which took like another year. Um, so all of these things had been opened in July's. So the switchboard opened in July of 2020. And then I was roasting coffee for people prior, but then uh-huh. we like opened the doors for the coffee shop the following year. Okay. Um, and I didn't know how that was going to take, but I just had, I just kept going. There was, there was a point where I remember I mentally saying to people, I just took the rear and side view mirrors off my car and mm. I just gas pedal. And I'm like, yeah. you just, can, you, I'll reflect later. I'll reflect in <laughs> Kelly's podcast about how crazy this was. <laughs> right now I'm, I'm just driving. I got to get, yeah. I got to get out of this tunnel. Yeah. So, yeah. It was crazy. So your passion for coffee led you to open the roastery. What was it that led you to open Canvas? Canvas, great one. <clears throat> so her name is Maria Mingalone. She mm-hmm. is the director of the Oceanside Museum of Art. She, which you're on the board of, right? Which I'm on the board of. And she In is... In your spare time. <laughs> <laughs> she is a great friend. Her and I, we met um, during the pandemic. She'd come in for some takeout. And she was the first leader, just like you were saying earlier, that first leader that I looked up to, but was open with me and Mm. letting me know, like, instead of wearing a cape and saying, I'm pivoting, 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 and I'm like moving forward and everything's, you know, going to be positive. We would both just talk about our, our vulnerabilities. Good. It, Yeah. And talk about just, uh, you know, Talk about therapy, if you will. Like that's yeah. weird. And it that's was the first time. It absolutely, you know, when you talk to the other um, you know, other people who are in leadership and they don't know you well and they're just talking about how they're staying strong and moving forward, and that's like mm-hmm. the message you tell your staff. It's the first time where I got to talk to somebody and going like, This is hard. I don't always know what to do. I'm making mistakes and I got to figure this thing out. And so we shared a lot together with that. So I'm, um, so that took place. And then she suckered me on the board (laughs) when I said, I'll do anything for her too. And, um, I got to learn about, you know, um, the formal art process. I got to learn about artists themselves, what they Mm -hmm. go through. So not just um, visual artists, but musicians and whatnot. And you really see all the struggles of what professional artists have to try to do to get success. Um, It's tough. Yeah, so I just thought of this idea. I was sitting in a museum going, man, museums would be awesome restaurants or bars. Mm-hmm. Like such cool spaces. Right. So the idea just came up about making a an art gallery space, but it's a bar and let's let's take our egos out of it. Let's have our chef, let's have our cocktail program all focus on the art itself. 
So whether it's a group of artists there or a single artist, let's just make the theme all about that and really have a focus point um, and have it rotate every three or four months. So that's the, that's the concept of Canvas. So cool. Now, do you have someone heading that up or are you the one that's booking everything out or how's that working? Yeah, you know, so we got great attention um, through the fact that we can hang space for artists. <clears throat> and um, and so we have like over 200 artists that had submitted. And if you're thinking wow. about like, only printing like three or four artists in at a time a year, <clears throat> that I realized that, okay, I got like way more than enough um, yeah. artists, but I think I'm changing it up more. You're kind of a reason behind it too, of where I would like focus on, let's say a nonprofit mm. and I'm going to have, I'm going to have a bank of artists actually create art about the focus of that nonprofit. Oh, so I think the morph is going to start going that way. And then, yeah, it allows more artists to have exposure. And then we get to really focus on this nonprofit that's um, trying their best to to get their mission accomplished. Right. So they're all right, right there in a row. Anyone who goes down, is that Oceanside Boulevard? Is that where you are? It is a South Coast Highway. So it's the South old Coast Highway. 101. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you've got the right in a row, you've got the hotel, switchboard restaurant, North County Roastery. And canvas, and you, it's just every single one has their own vibe, but it's all super uniform, like it's cohesive, but but separate. And I and it's such a great great um, asset, I think, for the the hotel. They're they're really fortunate to have you. Would you tell us a little bit about why you decided to reach out to the Knoll Family Foundation and why you wanted to be a part of Bradley's house? Yeah, started off with uh, Kalea Waspin. He's a good buddy. From Pepper. Love from him. From Pepper. And, Great human being. Oh, he's an amazing human being who uh, we were talking. And at that time, that's when I believe you guys were just releasing the House That Bradley Built album. Yes. And let me just say, all of those guys from the band Pepper, in addition to being incredible music, incredible musicians, are involved with so many other things. And I think that's really incredible. They set such a great example in the music industry of how you can take your music and your art and, and use that to sort of catapult you into all these other things, you know, use that influence and that um, exposure to really create other things. Of course, we're so blessed to have Yasad Williams on our board. And of course, the guys from Pepper own Law Records and Paul Milbury is on our board, the general manager of Law Records. They did this incredible album. All these guys do such great things. And um, I always thought it was so beautiful that, you know, your the album and Kaleo and all these things were, were a large part of what brought us all together. So how did you meet Kaleo? So Kaleo, they're all from the islands, and mm-hmm. uh, they started making their own wine. Mm-hmm. And I, I've come to find that out, and I just reached out to them and said, hey, do you mind if I – I don't know how, where to get your wine. I'd like to sell it. And he's oh, like, I'll be right that. over. Yeah, he's like, I'll be right <laughs> over. And he came in. We started talking. <laughs> it was like two long-lost brothers finally uh, catching mm. up from decades of being away it felt like and uh, oh that's cool so he was immediately talking about the album and everything and i'm like oh my god that's like 
that's my band. Like Sublime <laughs> is, um, you know, it's such a foundation. And I'm like, hey, whatever I can do to help. And he got me in contact with you. And then we just like all, I just literally feel like we're all just one big family, just trying to do the same thing. I feel that way too. And honestly, and again, this is another reason why I'm so excited to have you on the podcast is that it just was so meaningful to me. Every time someone reaches out and says, you know, I'd like to do this to help. It's such a blessing because honestly, we have a lot of people that reach out and say, I'd love to help but they don't know what to do. I don't know what to ask them to do because I don't know what they can do, you know? And, and so it's so nice when someone reaches out and says, I would like to do this, or I am able to do this. Let's do this together. And it, it encourages me and helps me know that, you know, we're on the right track and I'm, you know, I'm not in this alone. And really the last couple of years, I've been so overwhelmed by the incredible show of support and people that have, have really become a part of this. And, and you're a big part of that because, and this is what got me. And I think this is why I just became the biggest Kevin Shin supporter. I might start a fan club because during the, (laughs) during the pandemic, right. Everything is so difficult. I didn't realize you were just opening during the pandemic, but I, I knew that it was a new restaurant, but you were still reaching out, trying to find ways to help other people. You were like, you know, things started to open up a little bit and you're like, we want to do a happy hour for the Noel Family Foundation. And so, you know, you would give people the opportunity to, to donate the difference of their, their happy hour purchase to the, I mean, it was just all these little things that were, that were just so creative and yet were focused on, you know, on helping other people, on giving back during a time when you, by all accounts, could have just been completely focused on you and everything that you have been doing and trying to do and all, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know if I'm, I'm saying it correctly, but it just, to me, that spoke volumes at the, the, at the point where you needed the most support for your business and your personal interests, you were focused on other people and how you could help other people. And quite honestly, that's when I knew like, okay, whatever this guy does, he's going to be okay. Like, you know, there's no guarantee that everything that anybody ever sets their hands to is going to work. But sometimes we learn just as much from the failures as we do from the success. But having that mentality and having that core value of being able to focus on others when your need is so great to me is, is what makes the world a beautiful place. And so that was when I was like, you know what, anything we can do to help this guy, I will absolutely do. And then (laughs) you just kept doing more. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute, I'm trying to do things to show you how much I appreciate all you've done and, you know, and, and spreading awareness and talking about how great we are and making donations and all these things that you were doing behind the scenes. And every time I would feel like, okay, let's, you know, we're going to give back a little more. You would give more. And it makes it very difficult for me to feel like we're even, Kevin. Well, I'll never feel even because I will <laughs> tell you, and you've heard this before, I'm sure, but I'm just going to say it from my own personal perspective. But like what Bradley brought to the world was an ability for some loner kid to mm-hmm. feel like they're not alone. Yeah. That's well put. I, you know, here I am just meandering through um, adolescence and not really feeling like I'm fitting in, but there was a connection with somebody that was not that far away from me Mm -hmm. and was singing my song is how I felt. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, I remember uh, 
growing up and this is like a song that I don't know if a lot of people listen to but had a that <laughs> I love that one it's just a song where I would feel mentally there yes. and it would yes. connect and all these songs just um resonated with me so hard that I just still feel like I have to make up for it because it 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 helped guide me through certain ways mm-hmm. um when I was in boot camp, you want to hear a funny one? I'm in boot mm-hmm. camp, right? And we're mm-hmm. all getting screamed at. Somewhere around your second or third week in boot camp, you are in full regret mode. You're like, <laughs> why the hell am I oh, doing this? You know I you got even like, imagine. Oh, you got so many more weeks left and everyone's uh. just in misery. And um, we all have to, it's like at nighttime and we all have to just line up and we're just staring at each other in the position of attention and it was like i don't know staring there for like 30 minutes because we're in trouble uh, and i remember starting to sing um a sublime song just started like uh, whispering it to myself but out loud and the next thing you know this entire platoon is all just whisper singing it all together oh and God. it's something that you um that Bradley provided for all of us at that moment. And then about two minutes into it, the drill instructor heard us and was just tore us a new one. But (laughs) I had about two minutes of just feeling like I was back at home again. (laughs) Oh God. I love that story. You told me that before and I love it. I love it. And I feel like Brad would have loved that. Like just the, the, the aspect of rebellion of singing the song. And then, you know, I don't know. And then finding some camaraderie through it. And I don't know, it's just, it's fabulous. That's, that's what it's all about. And I honestly, I think that's what music does for so many people is it provides an escape, regardless of the situation you're in. It provides a way to unite with people that you might not otherwise have a connection to. And um, that, that story just illustrates that for me so well. So the coffee, we've been talking about the coffee so much lately the last few months, um, you approached me about doing a Bradley's house blend completely out of the blue. And I'm a huge coffee drinker. In fact, I'm drinking some of the Bradley's house blend right now, which is probably why I'm so hyper, but it's great. It is really good coffee. I mean, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a coffee snob, but I do know the difference between good coffee and bad coffee. And so you said, you know, we'd love to do this Bradley's house blend. I'm like, Oh, that's so great. So I figured you would come up with a blend and slap our name on it. And I was fine with that. I thought that was a great idea, but you wanted us involved in the process. So Jacob and I came down and tried a bunch of different coffees and talked about, you had this whole, what do you call that wheel that has all the different flavors? Flavor wheel. Mm -hmm. Okay. There you go. Flavor wheel. It's the wheel with the flavors. Who knew it would be called flavor wheel. And, um, and so we talked about all these different kinds and we tried a bunch of different blends and that's how we arrived on Bradley's house blend. And I feel so privileged to be able to be a part of that creation process. And so thank you. That was really fun for us. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about what it is that I also do just being in the fire service is, um, and what you're trying to accomplish, which is to build Bradley's house. It, there's so much resonation there. It used to be back in the day when I was in the fire service where you would see someone who would overdose on an opiate 
And it was a rare thing. You would pull out Narcan, you'd see them kind of get revived or you would watch them pass away or one or the other. It was always tragic, but it was a lot more rare. And now it's, it's completely out of hand. It's really gone to a point where um, their solutions are getting harder and harder. And the, and we're not sure where, where to even begin, but we got to keep trying one way or another. We have to provide as many different avenues to help people recover and try to find ways to not even get them there in the first place. And um, I know that tears your family apart and I watch it time and time again, now responding over and over again on people with, you know, overdosing on opiates and just having to look at their families, having to look at them, and just not knowing if there's ever going to be answers with some of them, which is, it just breaks my heart every time. Yeah. Um, so that being said, I'm like, this is a drop in the bucket of what we're able to do. But I think the cause is so strong. I think because, like I said, Bradley's music has touched so many people that, um, that there's a great direction that we can have. You can, you know, your family can really show what the proper direction could be. And, um, and I just, I just wanted help anyway or whatnot. If I could respond on less of these calls, I would be, it, it would just make my day so much better. Yeah. Like you said, it is a drop in the bucket. And it's hard to feel like you're really having an impact, not you, but all of us. It's hard to feel like we're really having an impact when the problem is so big, but that can't be a reason to do nothing. You know, like, even though we feel like the problem is so huge that we are, our, our little, our little input doesn't matter, but it does because if enough people feel like their little bit matters, then we can have an impact. And I think that's, that's a big part of why we do what we do. I mean, I wish, I wish we could help everybody. I do, but we have to start somewhere and we have to start with what we know. And that's, that's why we're here, you know, in the music business, dealing with the opioid addiction. Let's start there. You know, it's, it's a great place. Now has the, how has the fentanyl um, epidemic impacted you as a firefighter? I mean, that changes the way you do things when you get on a call for an overdose, right? Yeah, our call volume has definitely shifted where you see it now. So like where it used to be rare to give out uh, Narcan to Mm -hmm. stop the effects of the opioid. Um, I mean, we use it all the time. We just Mm -hmm. let cops use it all the time. Yeah. Um, You just see what it's doing to, you know, that community itself, whether they're out on the streets, in a home. And it wears on you as, you know, as a first responder, because you're now seeing the same person repeat and repeat Uh, themselves. Yeah. We're not there to be able to rehabilitate anybody. We're just there to help um, stabilize somebody and then get them to the emergency room. So, you know, we, we have to find other means where where this service isn't just like a complete carousel. Right. Right. Uh, You know, the one thing I always go back to, and again, you know, my, my perspective is very different than yours because I'm not on the front lines with it, but as, 
as someone who has lost a family member who tried multiple times to get clean, I, I truly believe that just giving someone another opportunity to try again, you know, like it, as long as we can keep them alive, there's still a chance. There's still a chance for that life to, to get on the right track. And, um, and, and every life has meaning, but I would imagine from the point of view of seeing those people over and over again, it's got to get really, um, feel very hopeless sometimes. Absolutely. So between seeing like the, I guess the epidemic of homelessness and, substance abuse and mental health issues it all kind of they all kind of coagulate together mm-hmm. um you're you're watching fatigue coming out of our public safety because we're not totally sure what to do with this as well right so right. we can enforce it as a crime but that's not going to help anything no um and there's only so much i can tell like i can't keep telling them hey you're going to die they don't it sometimes that doesn't matter. It really takes something else. Um, I'm not always sure what the answer is. <clears throat> All it's I probably do know personal is, and different for everyone. Yeah. It's very personal. It becomes very much. Um, I think sometimes what I see, I don't know if this is a, an ability for the solutions, but sometimes I do see when people start worrying about themselves too much and it, Mm -hmm. and they start warping in their own minds that it's, it's their issue and, um, and there's nothing else that they can do. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the people who've been able to recover and the ones that recover all of a sudden have a mission. That's not just themselves. They start really thinking about how am I going to help others and that's what starts filling their cup up in their soul. Yes. Um, I don't know how all those answers can take place. Clearly, it helps my soul. You know, I like helping others. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of like rids you of worrying about yourself as much because you're just too busy about making sure the next person's <laughs> doing fine. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah these conversations need to keep getting explored. Um, And there is just like you're saying, they're all so personal that they do require like some personal attention and um, they need families to understand what that, what those things are like. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like families need to break themselves open too. And that's where this all rooted from. Cause sometimes, and that's when they find out where it really all started from. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I just know, you know, you didn't ask for it, but you guys were thrusted in this public um, awareness of what took place. Right. And you guys are using it in such a positive way that I, I mean, how can people not help you guys? I don't like, there's no way I wouldn't now that I know you and now that I see like what Kaleo and guys and pepper and law and all these people are doing, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just joining this whole family. And <laughs> I think we've got this solution. <clears throat> I think we can help uh, chip away at this in the right direction. Mm. And, um, and I'm all in. It's no problem. This is, this means more to me than other aspects of like making a profit or this or that is one thing in yeah. business. But then there's really like what, you know, when, when it's all said and done, what did you really do? Right. Well, it, it takes both, I think. Right. Cause if you're not, if you're not 
making money as a businessman, you cannot continue with your business. But having that mentality that you have in business allows you to do so much good with it. And so, you know, people get in business for different reasons, but if you've got someone in business who's trying to do good things with it and someone in business, who's just looking out for themselves, I would much rather support the people that are trying to do good stuff with what they've got, you know, and we all have only so much time and effort that we can put into the things we do. I, I just appreciate people like you that are putting their time and effort into things that will have a a lasting impact and that will impact more people than just, you know, a small circle. And, and I do think that the biggest thing that we can offer ourselves and other people in this world is hope, right? Because once we lose hope, then there's, what's the point, you know, like that's, that's the point where, where um, we give into our addictions, we give into our baser um, habits, we, you know, all these things. And, and then people don't see a point of living, right? Like hope is such a powerful thing. And I think that's one thing that that we're able to provide. And that's one thing that you are doing with the people that you come in contact with too, is just giving people hope of a better future, hope of a better tomorrow, hope that, you know, someone cares, someone sees what you're doing. Someone wants to be a part of your life. Someone sees value in you. And I see you do that with your employees. And I see you do that with the different boards you're on and the, the causes you're a part of. And to me, that's something that should be celebrated. And that's something that we should all aspire to be. So I think that's why it was, that's why I feel so privileged to, to know you and to have you be a part of what we're doing. And also to have you on the podcast and share with everybody today is just that you are a great example, but you're also very transparent in that, you know, you're not perfect and, and you are human, but at the same time, you're doing what you can with what you got. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. So thank you from the bottom of my heart and on behalf of my whole family and the foundation and all of us that are working so hard to, to make this happen. Thank you for being a part of this dream and this vision. Cause we definitely couldn't do it without you. I'm so honored. And I kind of, I kind of blame Bradley when he wrote, uh, take all your money and give it to charity. <laughs> yeah. So here we go. <laughs> do it. I blame Darn him it, Brad. for, for a lot of work. Trust me. <laughs> I blame him all the time. <laughs> I just, Kevin, Kevin, you're such an amazing guy to know. Um, I would never hang out with you. You're just way too overshadowing. You do all this amazing <laughs> stuff. And then people will be like, what'd you do? And I'm like, I did some laundry on Wednesday. Um, I, I can't, I couldn't imagine keeping up with all the amazing things you do. And uh, I can't thank you enough for everything that you've done for the foundation. Um, I was hoping that like at some point in this podcast, something would come out to prove that you're not like, you know, but you are, you're that at least you like say like Valentine's day. I mean, is there one bad thing <laughs> about you? Is there something? I'm just kidding. But again, no, there thank you so much perfect. For, for everything that you do. You got it. This is, you know, um, I think when you say family foundation, I just feel like I'm part of this family and that's, you uh, and you guys have really brought me in like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is how I treat family. You're wonderful. Thank you so much, Kevin. We are truly blessed. And I think everybody of course needs to go to the switchboard restaurant, visit North County roastery, hang out over at canvas. Um, Let's talk about how they can find you. The switchboardrestaurant.com is the restaurant. Yep. Northcountyroastery.com for the coffee shop. Yep. And 
canvas, K-N-V-S, no vowels, K-N-V-S dot bar for canvas um, online, correct? Yes, you can pick <laughs> up Bradley's house splend at the shop. Mm-hmm. And then I've punted to you to have to mail out the bags if we uh, <laughs> get online orders. It's been fabulous. Everyone's loved it. We, they're a big seller at the events. They've been a big seller online. Of course, I am a heavy consumer as well. I buy out my coffee from the foundation. So thank you for all that you do. And thank you for creating really high quality stuff too. I mean, you know, we wouldn't want to put our name and be associated with something that was subpar. So um, the fact that everything you do is quality makes me feel very comfortable that that our, you know, legacy and reputation are in good hands with you. So thank you for everything that you do, Kevin. Um, I hope I haven't embarrassed you with being too gushing, but I really, I think you're a fabulous human being and you're doing wonderful things to leave a lasting mark on this earth. And I feel really privileged that the Noel Family Foundation gets to be a part of that. So thank you. You're welcome, Kelly. Love you. And thanks for being on the podcast. We love you so much. And anytime you want to come back and talk about what's going on at the Switchboard Restaurant, North, North County Roastery or Canvas Bar, you just let us know. You got it. I'll see you then. Having Kevin Shin on Bradley's house has been such a long time coming. Just an amazing story. An amazing friend of the foundation. There's nothing this guy doesn't do. He fights fires. He fights wars. He roasts coffee. He's a dad. Uh, just an amazing guy. Somebody that I am very blessed and happy to call a friend uh, because of the Knoll Family Foundation. Now, I know what you guys are expecting. This is where I kick everyone out of Bradley's house and you hear a song, but we're not quite there yet, guys, because Thursday night, October 6th at Backstage Bar and Billiards in Las Vegas, Nevada, the Knoll Family Foundation is hosting a benefit for Bradley's house. And we've got some awesome musicians that are going to be out there. And I want you guys to hear a little bit more about it, not just from Kelly and I, but from somebody who is on the ground out there in Las Vegas. All right, guys. Now, a special little Bradley's House bonus. Today, we are joined with Julian from LV Roots. LV Roots has been helping us spread the word all over social media about our upcoming event on Thursday night, October 6th. And if you're a fan of this scene, you've seen LV Roots connected to pretty much every and any big show that goes rolling through the Las Vegas area. Julian, man, thank you so much for uh, stopping in and chatting a little with us. Oh no problem, man! Thank you for having me. I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm excited about the show. I'm I'm excited about uh, the future. How are you doing? Amazing, man! I'm uh, I'm getting excited to to head out to Las Vegas um, Thursday night uh, on October the sixth. We've got the big benefit show for the Bradley's House. Now, I know that all of our Bradley's House listeners are going to listen to this, but I also know that a lot of your LV Roots followers are going to listen to this. So just briefly, for anyone who's not familiar with the Knoll Family Foundation, um, we are working to open a recovery facility for musicians struggling with addiction. Um, The late sublime frontman Bradley Knoll um, lost him much too soon. And uh, his family has has gotten together and started the Knoll Family Foundation. And we're in the fundraising process right now. Uh, we're a little over a third of the way there. So uh, things like our t-shirt sales and these kind of benefit shows, every penny goes towards 
the Knoll Family Foundation and getting Bradley's house up and open. We have the bands that come out and volunteer their time. Um, and uh, it, every show is an amazing show. So for the LV Roots people that are going to be listening to it, that's who we are. Now, Julian, for our Bradley's house listeners who maybe aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about LV Roots. Well, LV Roots, you know, we're best based out of here in Las Vegas. I've started, I've started utilizing LV Roots uh, around uh, 2016, just to basically give the good word out on upcoming shows with great music. Um, you know, being exposed to 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 the reggae community out here on the West Coast. You know, I've I've had a so much energy to 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 give out because of of all the great things that was happening you know while attending these shows so uh you know i just picked it up and and just started to kind of uh build lv roots and and its foundation through just sharing and connecting plugging in anybody that comes through las vegas uh you know they they will know lv roots they they will know that you know if any assistance is needed you know uh um you know i will directly plug them in with the promoters venues and help out as as much as i i can and and i've and, and throughout the years i've been getting a lot of a lot of great people that i've come across and 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 that have begun to help uh, you know, uh, the cause and, and just pushing uh, all these shows, great shows, great musicians, great artists through Las Vegas, helping them, you know, build uh, and, and kind of get the whole community together. Um, and that's that's what we're all about. You know, it's just just it's just basically a great community, great family. And uh, uh, um, anybody that needs help, needs assistance, we're we're right here, you know. Yeah, for years I've been seeing, you know, LV Roots posts on on Facebook, um, at, you know, as I've been following the scene and different bands and different bands sharing your stuff and you guys sharing different bands that are coming in. So uh, it, it's really cool to be able to uh, to hook up with you guys and have you guys helping us uh, spread the word to the community, especially out there in Las Vegas. Now, Julian, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be coming into town for Reggae Rise Up um, who are probably going to be getting in Thursday, maybe looking for something to do on Thursday night. Uh, what can you tell them uh, about the venue and, uh, and and what they can expect from the Las Vegas music scene? Well, well, this uh, venue is awesome. It is a great is a great spot for locals that we love. We love to we love to uh, you know enjoy shows here, and it's and it's right at the heart of uh, downtown Las Vegas on Fremont Street. Uh, and you know it, it is it is one of one of these you know uh, venues that we're always you know we're always looking forward to because of uh, just the history of who's like just been there and just the whole the whole the, the fact that it's so close to everything there's so much excitement around this venue so the energy is going to be through the roof so get ready you know uh, I, I I the owners are great. Uh, you know, everybody's always vibing, and this this is one of my favorites, uh, my favorite local, you know, just just venues to go enjoy shows, especially in the reggae scene. 
Yeah, and it seems like everybody hits it. I, I see it popping up on a on a lot of people's uh, concert posters. So I was super honored uh, to be able to get in there as well. So uh, I, I'm super excited about this show. Julian, for everybody who is listening right now, how can they follow LV Roots? How can they get involved? What can they do to help? Uh, go ahead and plug all your websites and social media pages and anything else that you got going on, man. Well, man, you you know you could pretty much find the Elvis on Twitter. Uh, Twitter, you got Instagram, Facebook, uh, Facebook, you know, dot com slash LV Roots. Same with Twitter, it's LV Roots. I just created a new page for my Instagram, where it's Instagram dot com slash I am LV Roots. That is the official LV Roots page. Uh, I am currently building my website. And it's going to be lvroots.com. That will be available for everybody soon just to check out what's going on in the scene. And and if you would like to help, please reach out, DM me in any social media network, Facebook, Instagram. And if you want to be part of the movement and if you want to come help us, we encourage you all to reach out and we will take care of you. And we will take care of everybody that needs our help out here in the Las Vegas community. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I see you guys connected to so many great bands and uh, and different things that are happening in the Las Vegas area. So uh, the Knoll Family Foundation certainly uh, appreciates your help. And uh, for everybody who's listening, guys, don't miss it. I know what you're thinking. All right, I'm flying in and I got to check into my hotel and it's going to be a long three days. You're not going to want to miss this. Julian, I-, I can't really let the cat fully out of the bag, but <laughs> I have heard that on top of the great musicians that we already have on the bill, um, Fayuka, uh, Joel Castillo from uh, 77 Jefferson, um, and I mean, Jacob Knoll out there. First of all, for those of you who aren't familiar, Jacob Knoll puts on an incredible show. Um, he does an amazing job. He writes amazing songs. He does some really fun covers. Uh, and because this is a Noel Family Foundation event, he's also going to get up there. He's going to play some of his dad's songs and everybody's going to hear him uh, uh, play the sublime music that I think all of the fans have always wanted him to play anyway. So, uh, But on top of that, Julian, I hear that there might be a few other musicians hanging out in Las Vegas that might want to stop by this show. Um, And, you know, we have this album, the house that Bradley built and there was a bunch of musicians that were on it. And I I understand some of them want to come out and, and maybe play their version of that song at this show. So um, there will certainly be some very big fun surprises. So uh, for anybody who's listening, Julian, everyone that, you know, uh, anybody who's out there thinking about, Hey, what am I going to do on Thursday night before reggae rise up? You're going to come join the Noel family foundation. And, uh, and and I'm super I'm super excited about being out there at Triple B. So, um, yeah, man, I uh, I look forward to seeing you guys on Thursday night, and I appreciate you coming on, and uh, and we really appreciate all the support and all of the sharing and the posting, um, and uh, and getting you uh, getting you involved with this. Absolutely, I appreciate you inviting me, Jared. I I, I love it. I I love all of this. All of this is just positive energy, and we're going to continue to share that positive energy, and uh, uh, you know, just continue to build, 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 man. I appreciate it again. Thank you for letting me join. Shout out to the Noel Family Foundation. I love you guys. You know, keep following, and uh, keep you know keep staying strong, everybody. 
Yeah, man, absolutely. We appreciate you so much and, uh, and look forward to, uh, to all the cool stuff that LV Roots is going to be doing in the future. Uh, thank you so much. You, you'll be seeing LV Roots more out there. Thank you very much. Awesome, man. Okay, guys, Thursday night, October 6th, Backstage Bar and Billiards, Las Vegas, Nevada. Hope to see you guys all there. It's going to be an awesome night. We've got a lot of amazing guests. Special thanks to everybody at LV Roots for helping us spread the word. Special thanks to Kevin Shin for finally being able to get on here and join us in the midst of his 237,000 other things that he is constantly doing. Now, guys, this is the point where I let you know what kind of song we're going to be going out to, and then I throw everybody out, and that's about to go down. But again, I mentioned there was going to be some special guests we were hoping to get to stop by. Um, So looking forward to that. And uh, what song are we going to go? You know what? I think that we're going to go back to the album, The House That Bradley Built, and we're going to get Jackson Weatherby and the Elevators doing Get Ready. Guys, until next time, I'm Jared Orr. She's Kelly Knoll. You don't have to go home, but it's time to leave Bradley's house. And you got to get out anyway. You guys have to be in Vegas in two days. October 6th, Backstage Barn Billiards. I'll meet you guys there. Some folks say that smoking herb is a crime If they catch you smoking then they're bound to drop the dime, yeah Insufferable and former all crazy fool Way better fingers crossed for you to break the rules And in the evening when we try to jail